0: Good morning, pal. What's up? Not too much. Um, I've only been conscious for about 15 minutes. So, you know, it's going to be a good one. Yeah. Oh, this really? Is, yeah. This is normally Didn't you text a, me at uh, like
1: seven this morning? What did you say? Didn't you text me like this morning earlier? Yeah. I, I got up at seven
0: and I did some stuff and I went to the gym and I, I you know, and then I went home and I took a little nap ski. Oh,
1: uh, yeah, dude. Yeah. I Sounds love starting fun. the day with a nap.
0: Yeah, well, like I said, I didn't start the day with a nap, I started the day with productivity and went to the gym and yep. um, then went home and took a nap after, you know, I did some yep. errands and some, some exercises, did, my, nice, did nice. my stretches. Yep.
1: Yeah, I think this is the <clears throat> earliest
0: we're ever recording. Oh, by hours, yeah, we've only ever recorded after dark.
1: Well, no, no, we've definitely done a few that were afternoon, late afternoon. Really?
0: Yeah. When? I don't remember doing that ever.
1: Uh, I believe we did that for, um the um, <coughs> excuse me fucking what uh, what was that one Louis the fourteenth one we did at like four p.m. or something oh, okay. three p.m. Yeah. yeah, God, that was forever ago, huh?
0: Yep, that's like one of our least popular episodes, and I'm so upset <laughs> about it because I, I love that story so much. Yeah. I, lo- I loved researching and writing
1: that episode so much yeah i guess people so didn't want to hear about some nasty like fat surgery yeah fetid, surgery. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> fetid uh <laughs> anal injury yeah, yeah yeah what can you which do? sucks because i enjoyed it yeah i mean
0: yeah it was gross but it's also you know hey that's history man you take the good with yeah. the bad Yep, it's like the famous historian uh, marilyn monroe once said okay <laughs> if you can't handle um history at its best then you don't deserve it uh,
1: when it's butt surgery so yeah yeah i remember that quote yeah well yep. so what's up any uh anything else new with you
0: man what a what a decent question um <laughs> <laughs> let me really think here uh not like a whole lot no it's uh yep. it's december so like in my line of work i'm just strung the fuck out like i'm 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 just yep. balls to the wall every day. So, I'm tired. Yep. Um the uh, I need to get a a, dehum- or a humidifier up here. It's already dehumid. Yep. So you can tell my voice is just completely shot. Oh, um, dude, me too. Yeah. yeah. Um I don't know. That nothing. I'm just I'm just busy and tired. I'm like that's pretty yep. much it.
1: <laughs> what about busy you? Busy and tired. Yep. That's December. All right. Great. Well, anyway, <laughs> uh, don't forget you have also offered to do the rest of the episodes
0: to yeah. the end of the year. Yeah. Um, next week's going to be a little weird because we have Friday off to go see a Comedian, but yeah. we'll figure it out. I'll talk to you about scheduling off air and see what we can do. Oh, yeah. That's right. Yeah. See what yeah. we Forgot can I about that part. Yeah. I'm free Tuesday, um, but we, I obviously can't swap for Friday because you know I need to get <laughs> off. So. Yeah. Um, all right. Cool. Well, whatever. That's... That's the technical behind the scenes stuff. We'll save that for the uh, for the documentary.
1: <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, that will be one of the special features right. when we have in Peter our, Jackson um... edit
0: together. Like, or apparently he like barely edited that Beatles documentary. Like, it's just like people that have watched it have been like, yeah, like if there's a ten second pause in conversation, that ten seconds is on camera, and you get huh. to sit and watch it. Like, well, no one has yeah, anything no, to say. I, uh...
1: I have not watched it, um, and I don't plan to watch it because I've basically gotten everything from uh, just Twitter. So, yeah, yeah, I've gotten
0: all, like all the cool little clips and stuff, and I might watch it at some point because the idea of it being like in studio is kind of interesting to me. That's like yeah. the part that's interesting to me is like the creative process because you know, by all accounts, those guys were all kind of monsters in the studio. So, yeah, um, but whatever. I, I don't know. I'm not like especially. I'm not a huge Beatles guy.
1: Yeah, me neither. I yeah, yeah, I have no real feelings about the Beatles one way or the other. They were banned. They're yeah. fine. If it was if it was called Hammer Smashed
0: Face and it was a Peter Jackson documentary <laughs> about Cannibal Corpse, <laughs> I, I would have seen it twice already.
1: Oh yeah, yeah. I would watch the the shit out of that.
0: I'm going to apologize in advance for any like throat clearing. And I'm going to do my best to not have yeah. it be at important times, so, like it's easy to edit out. But like I said, it's dry in here.
1: Yeah, yeah, it is and I'm, I'm, uh, I'm kind of congested, too, so this is just uh, going to be yeah, gross-sounding left unread.
0: Oh, also, I feel like we should mention, and uh, we planned this, and then, like, I realized we didn't mention it at all uh, in the last episode that we recorded, but we took the week of Thanksgiving off. I mean, you may have noticed that there wasn't an episode last week. Um, yep. It was a five, you know, would have been a five-episode month, um, and just, I think we prioritized family and, and just taking a week to ourselves. So, um, yep. and it was still, it was still our biggest month, uh, ever by a substantial margin. So thank you guys yes. again for telling everybody and you're, you're, yes. a, you're a really
1: solid ass group of fans. We like it. <laughs> yeah. You know, it seems that people have been taking to heart our calls to tell people about us. So please yeah. keep doing that. Yeah. And at this
0: point, I know it's not just our moms cause I don't think they even listen to this anymore. I mean, my yeah, mom, I'm not sure if my mom
1: has but... ever listened to this. Oh, well. Maybe, maybe she has. I hope she does. I think she listened to the Matt Gates episode, actually, because okay. she lives in Florida. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's a good one.
0: Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know. What else?
1: Uh, yeah, no, I don't have, uh, I don't really have any other banter, um, <laughs> but uh, I heard that you have a little, a little plug. Yeah, yeah. To so um, today's
0: uh, episode is brought to you by uh, the new rendition of the James Cameron classic, uh, Terminator um, and okay. that is uh, Gay Terminator um, okay. gay so Terminator. yeah so Great. today's episode is brought to you by Gay Terminator um, <laughs> watch the the all new uh, rewritten re-recorded remastered version of certain you know classic scenes you might remember such as this gem give me a clothes your boots your motorcycle also I am gay um, or you know uh, come with me if you want to live And I'm also, and I'm gay Um, Yeah, and then I just think that it's really great to show such representation in cinema Um, I think it's important that people understand that uh, Anybody can be um, a cybernetic organism Living tissue of a metal endoskeleton Happy pride Um, I think that it really uh, allows an opportunity for the young um, Misrepresented uh, LGBTQ plus uh, community in this country um, to feel included in, in a classic franchise, um, and, you know, kill Sarah Connor. Um, I think, I think well. that anybody can do it. So, yep, so that's the ad for today. Uh, it's brought to you by Gay Terminator, uh, the new rendition of the James Cameron classic. Uh, where So were those you- actually clips from the movie? Yeah, those were real clips. Um, wow, Arnold sounds a lot different in these than he, like, ever has. Yeah yeah well, what can I say? you know you spend <laughs> a, enough time away from from Styria uh enough time away from from the Austrian hinterlands and you know your voice <laughs> is found to adjust and change <laughs> yeah the- <laughs> yeah so again, that is the the new version of Terminator uh where uh the terminator is um is gay. I don't know if you could tell that from from what I said, so yep. thanks for that guys uh and I think to uh, be <laughs> streaming uh and in theaters soon. Check it out
1: <laughs> okay, great uh that was great thank you yep <laughs> yeah um all right, yeah, so I guess if we don't have anything else let's uh let's start the actual show
2: mm-hmm <laughs>
1: So today we are once again talking about, uh, the son of Sam and you may be thinking to yourself, Evan, didn't we, uh, cover all of the killings last time? And to that, I would say, yes, yes, we did. <laughs> but there's a lot more to get into it, which, um, you know, as I was researching and writing this, you know, I had, uh, heard of some of these things, but I didn't really realize that like there were ties into the son of Sam case. Yeah. But we'll get into all that. So, when last time we discussed the killings, David Berkowitz uh, was yet to be a suspect. So there were uh, multiple varying descriptions of the killer and vehicles fleeing the scenes of the shootings, leading to speculation that there were potentially multiple killers or people involved. So after the final killing in Brooklyn, Berkowitz had been ticketed while possibly acting as a lookout, and from there it became a matter of time until the police found him. So when a detective working the case called the Yonkers police where Berkowitz lived, they were just looking to talk to him as a potential witness.
0: He lived with the Yonkers police? What's that? He lived with the Yonkers police?
1: <laughs> he lived in Yonkers, not um, quite with the police. Although, it's a bit of a, a tactical error there, wouldn't you say? Um, no, no, I wouldn't say that.
0: <laughs> okay. but... I guess that's true. You're not very <laughs> yeah. good at self-crit. All right, let's go. Let's rock and roll, Yonkers.
1: Okay, great. Um, so they were just looking to talk to him as a potential witness. However, the Yonkers police shocked the New York City by, police by saying that Berkowitz was a suspect for a number of crimes in Yonkers, including shooting his neighbor's dog with a 44 caliber gun, arson, and sending letters, uh, threatening letters to law enforcement that were similar to the Son of Sam letters. Hmm. So immediately Berkowitz became a prime suspect, not just a potential witness. So the police in Yonkers even believed he may be the son of Sam before the call.
0: Okay.
1: Now, in the weeks and months leading up to the arrest, there were several shootings in the neighborhood in Yonkers where Berkowitz lived, oftentimes aimed at barking dogs, and there were also several Molotov cocktails thrown into apartments. Holy shit. So the victims often received threatening letters. However, the dogs were not shot with 44 caliber bullets, as the Yonkers police claimed in the call with New York City. Still, all of the letters being sent around to the various peoples of Yonkers had the same handwriting, and it matched David Berkowitz's. He had suddenly become a nuisance to the people in his neighborhood. Yeah, I'd say so. Yeah. <laughs> this a fucking neighborhood now,
0: lunatic who's just, like, sending people weird letters and chucking Molotovs into people's windows? Yeah, for sure, dude. Yeah, I insane. would say that qualifies you as a nuisance. <laughs> yeah, as for a, sure. As a menace.
1: Now, uh, if you would like to see some pictures about this stuff, uh, I suggest you check out a couple Twitter threads that I did this past week where I uh, posted pictures of Berkowitz's neighborhood, um, some of the uh, description or, you know, some of the composite sketches, um, just a few, like, little things, too, like the symbols that they were using in yeah. the letters. So, you know, you can check that out if you want to see. David Berkowitz's neighborhood is definitely fucking creepy as shit looking. Yeah. <laughs> it's yeah, like it this was, old... It was, it was very um sketchy for sure yeah it looks like the kind of place that Molotov cocktails are going to be thrown into the windows (laughs) like it's uh the picture's like from the winter so it's all like snow covered and it's just like really like horrifying looking Hmm. so crucially berkowitz at this point uh well i would say he seemed like kind of a madman Mm -hmm. and he drove a ford right so this did not match the new york city police's outline of the son of sam as driving a vw a volkswagen which had been seen fleeing multiple scenes right the yellow and VW, also being right? yeah and also like suspiciously following people before yeah. killings that kind of thing uh, and they also believed that he was kind of a smooth operator that could just melt into the crowd right whereas this guy is like a fucking screaming freak who's just like i hate yeah. everybody i'm gonna kill your dog <laughs> Yeah, exactly, yeah. Um, so Mm-mm. even after they started checking him out, they didn't see him as the perpetrator, which this would not uh, jive with what they said later. Right. Which is that um, after they arrested him, they were like, oh, oh yeah, Berkowitz was on our radar for quite some time, yeah. Uh, you know, just fucking please lying to cover their own asses. Yeah. So when they arrived to question Berkowitz, uh, all indications were that they did not think he was the murderer. Yeah. Only two detectives showed up. No backup. And it wasn't even, like, the any, like, lead detective on the case. So they just thought he was maybe a witness. But then they saw his car outside. They noticed a rifle in the back seat, which was not illegal, but was kind of sticking out. So they just decided to break into his car. These are the detectives. And they found a note promising attack in Long Island and a bunch of ammunition for the rifle. Okay, The letter, which was hastily written... Did not quite match the Son of Sam letters, though. Some of the style was definitely copied, but eventually faltered in some places, and the symbol was messed up. When they eventually would get into his apartment, they found evidence that he had been practicing the handwriting and symbol.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, And people close to Berkowitz also claimed he had been tipped off that the police would visit him that day, making it even weirder that he would leave the note in his glove box and his rifle out in plain sight. If he was tipped off, why would he have done these things?
0: Yeah. Yeah, that's uh, man. So again, <laughs> it, it it's it definitely points to like a um like a kind of a di- at the very at the very least like a pretty disgruntled person. You know, someone yeah. who's maybe a little out of touch. Someone who's yeah. kind of losing their connection to uh, reality a little yep. bit here. Not like a not like a suave and and uh debonair VW driver. Um, yeah. This is a Ford, man, you know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. He's the, living Ford yeah. tough. <laughs> yeah. Built for tough. built for David <laughs> Berkowitz, dude. <laughs> <He's> looking... <laughs> dude. He's fucking <laughs> <coughs> dude. Uh, oh fuck, man. I'm sorry. Um, he's dude. Yeah, he for sure is. Yeah. Ba-doom-ts. All right, let's 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 keep it rolling, brother. <laughs> so uh I like so the I more... like these morning vibes, man. It's Lucy Goosey. Yeah. This is nice.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's like, yeah Lucy Goosey. Yeah. So, um, Maury Terry, who is the investigative reporter and author of The Ultimate Evil, which is, you know, my main source throughout these episodes. You're He claims in his book that Berkowitz was tossed to the wolves for his parking ticket mistake. So the person driving the VW that was fleeing the scene was higher up in the hierarchy of his group. Mm -hmm. And since the cops were looking for one killer, Berkowitz would be offered up in order to ease the pressure off everyone else. Gotcha. So he came to this through like interviewing like people involved and like sources, you know, just some sources. Yes. that's kind of an include- interesting
0: idea. Like he's just like the loose cannon weirdo of the group, and they're all just like, "All right, listen, somebody's got to go." And um, I don't know if anybody you have noticed, but David, <laughs> David's a fucking weirdo. And uh, well,
1: uh, uh, I oh okay, I don't, are we gonna are I we don't gonna agree come with to the, that assessment of that, yours right here? Right, he might he
0: might be uh he might be hamming it up to like get attention.
1: Oh yeah, we'll get to that
0: okay well but anyway, I still like the idea that he's yeah. like the loser in the group now I was like listen guys uh, someone's gotta go and um, <laughs> Dave this dog shit is getting out of hand so <laughs> <laughs> I think it's I think you guys think we're gonna have to give him Dave
1: yeah <laughs> but I guess so, we'll see
0: I mean we'll see we'll see I guess we'll see yeah
1: but yeah so so Hugh would uh, so the decision was made that he would be uh, the lone killer. And that they would make it look that way since it was his error in getting the parking ticket that allowed the police to get so close. So according to Berkowitz and other sources, they had fabricated the insanity evidence because they knew the police under intense scrutiny and political pressure while the city burned. Again, as I said in the last episode, uh, the summer of 77 was a tumultuous one for New York City. You know? yeah. there was just like, the city was like burning down and it was on like the brink of financial collapse. Mm. So under all this, uh, and you know, all the, under all this pressure, they would accept anything to make an arrest and close the case. Yeah, um, and they were right about that, you know. So, uh, insane ramblings were drawn on the walls of Berkowitz's apartment. All of his stuff was dropped off at the Salvation Army in order to make him look like a lunatic with nothing going on but his pacing his apartment, writing insane ramblings. Right. Now, this being from a man who could hold a job right. and who always paid his rent on time. All of his landlords said they're like, yeah, we've never had yeah. a problem with the guy.
0: Well, it, maybe he just saved a lot of money not buying uh, non-essential home goods, you know? <laughs> yeah. Uh, washing and reusing toilet paper, uh, writing your insane ramblings with a, uh, <laughs> with a refillable marker. Uh, yeah. I don't know. I'm just saying. Playing devil's
1: <laughs> advocate. Yeah. Uh, so the plan with Berkowitz and his co-conspirators was that he would be found not guilty by insanity and be institutionalized until he was free, mm. or they would break him out. Although Berkowitz said that he always knew that second part was bullshit, but they did promise, "Oh yeah, dude, we'll totally break you out." Yeah, <laughs> break
0: like right? How are you? How are you going to do that? Yeah, <laughs> we'll so, do it. We'll do an assault on precinct thirteen type thing. It'll be awesome.
1: Yeah. <laughs> So, uh, Berkowitz would later claim that a, a, a meeting uh, between everyone involved was held in May, that they may eventually need a scapegoat, though no one was decided then. And this is when Berkowitz would decide to start sending a bunch of threatening letters all around Yonkers and causing mayhem, hoping to get arrested for that and thus eliminate him as the fall guy for the killings. Mm. Uh, so the police failed to, make the, the, uh, to take the bait and catch him, even though all of the letters pointed quite obviously to him. And so, like, you can read, like, all these layers that he's sending out. He's, like, clearly drawing a line back to him. You know what I mean? Like, he's putting in, like, all of these, like, little descriptions and, uh... Or just, like, constantly putting, like, in the return address, like, he would put his landlord or, like, his old, like, apartments and shit like that. Because he was, like, hopping around apartments at the time. And he was clearly leaving enough of a bread... You know, a, a trail of crumbs that you could like go back to him. They just never took the bait. even right. though as it would come out, the Yonkers police, they were like, oh, this fucking dude's doing all this shit. They just wouldn't arrest him for some reason. yeah, <laughs> but they like kind of knew he was the one doing all that. So after he was ticketed during the last crime, he went on a frenzy the following week sending letters and sending fires in Yonkers. So he was trying to build up his insanity case for the son of Sam killings gotcha. even more than his co-conspirators were. Gotcha. The reason he didn't run and went with the plan was that his co-conspirators had threatened to kill his family if he deviated from the plan. However, he also left the secret letter in his apartment with a list of unnamed phone numbers and the detailed plans of a cult to kill at least 100 people across the country. So I think eventually I'm going to do a third episode on this. Okay. And uh, we'll start to get into the phone numbers that he had there. So it was just a list of numbers yeah. on a piece of paper. He didn't put any... Uh, any names next to any of them but there were some there were some interesting phone numbers okay like well-known people yeah some real inc- incriminating shit <laughs> okay are we
0: going to talk about that at all or are you just dangling this in front of us like a hot piece yeah
1: from- i'm dangling it okay so i don't really uh, i'll get into it a little bit later but i didn't re- so we'll we're going to talk about the process church a okay. little bit later in this episode um, which I know of as being involved with Charles Manson. Okay. The Manson killer uh, and the Manson family. Right. Uh, I didn't realize that there were ties to it, to this. So I think I have plans to do a Manson episode in the future. Mm-hmm. Um, and I might, you know, tie this series into the Manson ones. But okay. we'll get, get to that down the line.
0: Gotcha. <clears throat> gotcha, gotcha, gotcha.
1: So, so one thing's, uh, so one thing is I should make clear here with Dave Berkowitz. He never said that he didn't kill anybody. Right. And he never said that he didn't take part in basically all of the killings. Right. Um, he admits that he did. Uh, he said he pulled the trigger in two of the attacks. Yeah. Uh including ones that killed people. Right. So he admits this. Uh he admits being there for the other killings. Yeah. Um, he just hoped that eventually the rest of the cult could be smoked out and he would be exonerated for, you know, the other ones that he didn't do.
0: Right. So he's he's basically now saying like I wasn't a serial killer I was in a cult and we were yes we were doing this like and I took part in this I'm a yeah. murderer and an accomplice to murder yeah yeah but he's I wasn't like a yeah I'm killer. guilty of shit
1: for yeah. like some of this shit but basically what he was saying is you know like it's not just me like you guys yeah. have a big fucking problem on your hands here. yeah <clears throat> so now let's go back to the night of the arrest the detectives uh you know they find this evidence in Berkowitz's car. And so they quickly called their offices, uh, claiming they think they found the fucking son of Sam. Yeah. Um, and so the street around Berkowitz's apartment starts filling uh, with officers. And then uh, eventually, when Berkowitz leaves his apartment, uh, <coughs> most likely I, I think he could see this all going on outside. Yeah. He knew. So he yeah. finally just you know walks outside, and he was very cool and calm when he did. Um, and apparently, right when he was arrested, you know, a cop walks up to him and berkowitz just looks at him and goes you got me what took you so long yeah <laughs> like he was not at all surprised right. that he was being arrested then so he probably saw all this going down and you know walked out to face the music yeah <laughs> and then uh, the media frenzy was ramped up as berkowitz was paraded across the city and the country you know just the nightly news started filling up with a uh, son of sam caught and all that shit yeah So, on the night of the capture of Berkowitz, Police Captain Joseph Barelli had received a phone call that seemed to bother him, but he shrugged it off. Uh, the call, apparently, was uh, somebody asking the captain if Berkowitz was implicating anyone else in the killing spree.
0: Was this like a like a random phone call? Yeah,
1: yeah, they asked for Captain Joseph Pirelli, and he's yeah. like, what do you want? I'm busy. They're like, uh, is he implicating anyone else? Oh, that's so funny.
0: <laughs> what's, uh, what's he saying to you in there? Uh, just a concerned So did he, mention,
1: um, <laughs> did he mention a John Carr at all, or? No, he didn't. Okay, great, great, great. That's, oh, no,
0: that's not me. That's not me. That's oh, not no, no, me. Yeah, I not was just me. A, that was just a random name. Sorry, I, I meant John I just chose Dove. a name. I saw yeah. a Carr. John's the most common name. Like, I just saw John Carr. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Yep. What about a, what about a, what about a, what about a, what about a Johnny cereal? <laughs> what about that? No, see, just another random one, is it?
1: Yeah, I'm, I'm just a little kooky. Yeah, okay, Jimmy Jimmy Two
0: Shoes, <laughs> any anything like that? See, I'm just making names up.
1: Yeah, yeah, we're just riffing here. <clears> just oh, riffing Mr. here, Burrell. folks. We're just riffing. These Bam. are just
0: coming Bam. off coming off the top here, folks. Yeah, live yeah. and on air. Okay? I can do this just, all night. Okay. Yeah. Anyway,
1: so I'm going to go now. Thank you. So no John Carr. All right, great. Bye. <laughs> so, um, once it came time for the actual confession. Berkowitz was apparently able to recount everything in excruciating detail, with his recollection being called encyclopedic, and it was remarked just a few years later by the assistant district attorney that it all seemed scripted despite it also including, like, a lot of incorrect details.
0: Right. Yeah, isn't that, like, one thing that uh, cross-examiners always make note of when a person, like, knows too much about, like, their alibi and where they were and, like, what they did, whether it's a confession or them claiming that they weren't involved in a crime. It's, like, when someone has, like, a perfect explanation for everything they did for, like, three days. <laughs> they were days, clearly like, practicing. Right, and it's just, like, yeah. no one does that. Like, think about yeah. think about last Wednesday, right? How much can you describe to me about that? I mean, some of it is even going to be you filling in the gaps. Like, I know I was at work because it's a Wednesday. Yeah, that, that, that's right. all I got so far. <laughs> yeah, like, <laughs> you can't describe your commute, like, what you had for breakfast, what time you left the yeah. house. Like, maybe you could get some of that, but um, yeah. anytime you see somebody who's just like, yes, and then I went, it was at, it was 1145, and I walked down to yeah. 4th Avenue, and I got the gun, and I loaded it with the bullet. Like, it's just, it, it's yeah. it's always a little fishy,
1: to me at least, but I'm, you know, yeah, what, yeah. what do I know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> Yeah, yeah, for sure. Uh, so, you know, they <laughs> basically said it seems very scripted. Yeah. Like he had been practicing yeah. his uh, confession. Um, of note, it also included Berkowitz claiming he had shot a woman in Yonkers with a rifle, although there was absolutely no record of this crime. Hmm. Um, and at that point, immediately, you know, you're supposed to be like, okay, he's admitting to a crime that we can't even corroborate ever happened. Yeah. Maybe there's some other bullshit here. Yeah. <laughs> um. So, of further note, were the inconsistencies and contradictions in the confessions about the Violante Moskowitz shootings in Brooklyn, and the Queen shootings of Lomino Damasi, Freund, and Uh So, these are the ones that most likely he didn't do. Right. <laughs> um, so, the questioning and confession, this time on the record, although against all protocol, some of some off-the-record talks had already taken place for like a while before his confession, they just didn't record any of it. Yeah. Um, so the actual questioning and confession began at 3.30am on August 11th Mm. so Berkowitz called his car a yellow Ford Galaxy even though it's really a beige or cream color and he immediately again remember they're looking for a yellow car so maybe he's trying to lean into that Uh, he immediately starts saying that he would go out to kill when he got orders from his neighbor Sam Carr through Sam's dog although it's not really a dog but rather a demon it Mm. just looks like a dog
0: maybe it was the dog on the phone
1: <laughs> yes this is dog
0: yes hello uh this is dog has he implicated any other dogs i mean humans in the, yep. <laughs> um, oh, the so- other guys are just on the other line He's just like
2: ruff, 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 ruff.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he's just like
1: all right <laughs> thank you mr dog okay great
0: okay all right
1: um so for the brooklyn murder he claims to be wearing exactly what Casilia davis had seen a man wearing So it's obvious Berkowitz is the man she saw get a ticket and then saw again later, like half an hour later, or 20 minutes, as he was walking to the scene. Yeah. So Berkowitz's timeline completely contradicts Davis's, who saw him go back to the park at 2.30, but Berkowitz claimed he had never left the park. Mrs. Davis's story was corroborated by the person she was in the car with. So in this confession, he would contradict himself through multiple tellings of the story when describing the couple that he attacked and what they were doing when he parked his car. His timeline was also completely wrong as to who was in the car and when. Mm. Remember, there were many witnesses to this crime. So there's like a bunch of people that they can like corroborate with yeah. and his don't match theirs. Interesting. He also said he left the park from a totally different place than the person that fled in the yellow Volkswagen. So remember, uh, there was a yellow Volkswagen that fled the scene. Yep. It has a person with long hair that kind of looks like a hippie or like dirty. Yeah, now.
0: weren't they blonde? Uh, yeah, it was
1: like dirty blondes. Like, light brown. Berkowitz has very dark hair. Yeah. Um, And dark curly hair Berkowitz has. While this yeah. person had, like, straight, long, like, dirty blonde or brown hair. Got it. And they flee in a VW and get into, like, a chase with somebody else who was trying to stop them. Okay. Um. So Berkowitz was definitely not that person fleeing the scene. Right. The police never questioned Berkowitz about the descriptions of the killer not matching Berkowitz's look or what he said he was wearing. Mm. Or his hair. The police never followed up on any of these discrepancies. The one time they did try to catch him lying, just to you know try to see if this is a false confession, mm-hmm. which was about where he saw Violante and Moskowitz, uh, he fell for it, he got it wrong, but they just let it go. Interesting. For the Bronx murders, Berkowitz again got some details wrong for the killings he potentially did not commit. He had Asaw and Suriani seated wrongly in the car and forgot to state he had left a letter at the scene until prompted by the questioner. So the letter was in the newspapers, so that could be where he had heard about it, but they were right. like, hey, did you, um, before you left, did you leave anything in the car? And apparently Berkwood said, oh yeah, that's right, the letter. <laughs> hmm. Um. So, <clears throat> so he knew nothing about the yellow car following two girls earlier in the evening for that murder, and he was questioned specifically if he ever wore a wig during <clears throat> his crimes. He said no. Huh. And again, remember that the police... They were constantly saying, "Oh, he's definitely wearing wigs. That's why the killers look different." Um.
0: So both the Bronx is such, and- such a hilarious like. That's like, oh, man, I, what a what a what a jump! You know what I mean? What a what a yeah. leap to make. Uh, two different looking people. Okay, uh, well, it's just definitely this guy in a wig,
1: right? Like, well, dude, my my favorite, my favorite, like bullshit that the police came up for this. Uh, it's about the Brooklyn murders, where somebody, where they were being asked why it is that like Berkowitz has like curly hair that's not long, right? And yet, multiple people saw the killer as a person with long straight hair, and they're like, oh, he probably dumped water on his head, <laughs> like it's just like what
0: <laughs> dude that's hysterical i mean like it's just i don't know
1: and then they also said they were like well berkowitz is also like heavy set and the killer was skinny and they were like oh well he probably had a wig and then he stuffed it into his shirt yeah it's just like man you guys are really fucking stretching yeah. to, to just to, to say that you these got dis- you caught the guy what's that just to say that
0: you caught the guy
1: yeah like and like, also like, Berkowitz is fucking way bigger than like yeah, he's stock- the killer. As sometimes described like literally like probably like fifty to eighty pounds bigger. Yeah, like, yeah. and so they were trying to say it was like, oh, he's probably intentionally gaining weight in between crimes. Oh it's God. like what? Um, so uh, he so <laughs> just to uh really hammer home this for the Bronx questioning and the Brooklyn questioning each lasted only half an hour. Wow. They're like, oh, yeah, great, yeah, fine, whatever. Um, so he would get details wrong in the queen's questioning as well, including the color of victim's cars. Police would question what he was wearing, his hair, um, you know, so on and so forth, as the, the descriptions of the killer did not match him in any way. And, yet he kept saying he looked the same as he does now. He was like, no, dude, I've kind of just always looked like this. Yeah.
0: <laughs> I've looked like this since I was eight years old.
1: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> So, he got details wrong, such as where victims were standing, if they were running from him, or if they saw him at all before he opened fire. Yeah. So, for the Voskerichian shooting, Berkowitz was likely the guy on lookout who had passed a pair of joggers a couple times. The second time, most likely after having driven ahead of them and been dropped off in a car. So, he saw them. Like, they passed him as they were jogging. Yeah. And then, as they're still going in the same direction, like, ten minutes later, they see him again. Right. So he was probably like kind of like following them to make sure they got away from where they were going to commit the shooting. Gotcha. Um, he was dressed completely differently than the shooter. This is the one that's called ski cap. Yep. And basically got every detail of that shooting wrong, except for it having been one shot to the face. Uh, but he got wrong the victim's appearance, what the killer was wearing, where he was parked, the old man the killer passed on the street, and what was said to them everything so the killer passed ski cap they passed like an old man and apparently just went oh jesus as they ran away but they asked berkowitz if he said anything to him and berkowitz was like oh yeah i said hi mister (laughs) (laughs) hi mister Uh, hey mister Um, i
0: I just did a shooting
1: yeah (laughs) yeah i just did a murder um so he contradicted himself through multiple accounts too getting multiple versions of the story wrong in different ways always a good sign yep For the Eliphas discotheque shooting, Berkowitz claimed he had just been waiting outside, saw the couple come out, and then shot them. However, after his arrest, a witness placed him in the club five minutes before the shooting, saying he was talking to girls inside, and heard him turn around and say to a few people, that girl's a snob. Like, they said that he was at the club with, like, a group of people. Mm. Which kind of goes against the whole Loner Hermit narrative. Uh, So this question lasted a total of 40 minutes. For all of the attacks and murders, Berkowitz was interrogated for a little over an hour and a half. He consistently got details wrong, and yet the case was closed, and an insane man had taken orders from a barking dog that lived with his neighbor, Sam Carr, who was actually a demon. Gotcha. (laughs) And he's a a master of wigs and water hair. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, the
0: the ancient and noble discipline of water hair. Right? <laughs> how do you disguise your appearance? You know, if say you have curly hair, you want to look like you have straight hair. Bucket water over the head. It does it super quick. Uh, and, you know, just tell people you sweat. Just tell people yeah. you sweat a lot. Yeah, for sure. I sweat a lot when I eat meat. I just had a big beef burger. That explains how damp I am. This is my normal yeah. straight hair. It's yeah, these are burger the, sweats, baby. because of the hot beef burger that I just ate that just <laughs> got me sweating. The burger yeah. got me sweating.
1: Yeah, dude, meat got me sweaty. Don't
0: shame me for being sweaty. That's not yeah. anything I can control. I am just as the Lord made me.
1: Yep. I am perfect as the Lord intended. <laughs> <laughs> so, at this point, some interesting things begin to happen, as if they haven't already been. So, the first is that the police would put pressure on the New York Daily News to suppress Casilia Davis' testimony about Berkowitz, and where he and his car were during the shooting. Because it just completely fucks their case. They also changed her timeline in the Daily News articles that quoted her, saying she was inside for much longer after seeing Berkowitz follow the police before the shooting. With her testimony, it was physically impossible for Berkowitz to be in the park stalking his victims like he said. He was seen leaving the area following the police. So the second was something Maury Terry noticed. Sam Carr was David Berkowitz's neighbor that he claimed was a demon, right? Mm Mm-hmm. So... At his address, Sam Cars was listed a number for a John Wheat car. One hmm. of the killers, according to the Breslin letter, was John Wheaties. Oh. <laughs> yep. Wheaties. Yep. John Wheaties, rapist and, uh, what is it, um, strangler of young girls, yeah. or something like that. It's, um, that must have been, maybe
0: that was like his nickname, you know, after the cereal they called him Wheaties. Yeah, that was his nickname. Yeah, it was. Gotcha.
1: So, as it would come out, John Carr's nickname oh, okay. really was Wheaties. They I literally him didn't Wheaties. even read that. I'm sorry. Yeah, I know. Yeah, It was literally <laughs> the next line of my notes. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, what can I say? <laughs> however, according to both the Carr's and Berkowitz, they did not know each other. Uh, John Wheaties was in the Air Force, uh, and according to a friend, spent most of his time in the Dakotas. Uh, now, Berkowitz specifically had mentioned John Wheat Carr. Um and knowing that his nickname was Wheaties, this would seem quite odd for him to know the nickname of a neighbor that he only lived near for less than a year. If he was the loner hermit, he was made out to be by the police. Right. So he's like, oh, I don't know that guy, John, uh, John Carr. I know that they call him Wheaties, though. Right. Um, so, I don't know, this kind of, so one of those things where it starts like really kind of.
0: Yeah, it's just it's just another little inconsistency <laughs> where it's like, yeah, logically,
1: how much sense does this make? Yeah, he only lived at that apartment for like five months. Right. Um, or uh, it was less than a year, maybe it was like seven months or something. Hmm. And apparently John Wheaties was never home. Uh, so he kind of seems like he maybe knows the cars much more closely uh, than he's let off, uh, off to believe. And uh, now there's another strange bit of something. So one of the clubs the shooting occurred at, it was the Elephus Discotheque. Now in the Borelli letter before the Elephas shooting there is a mention of Behemoth a creature that is often depicted as an elephant hmm. the latin word for uh, elephant being elephas and it may have been chosen if you you know assume the satanic cult theory as an allusion to Elephas Levi an esotericist and magician that drew the famous depiction of Baphomet you know everybody You're knows right. what that one is well, um, if you
0: don't look it up baphomet yeah, yeah. whenever it's whenever the people the famous show baphomet like- it's a common uh, depiction of... People say it's like, oh, it's Satan.
1: It's like yeah. the goat with the yeah. wings and the, the moon. And he's and, holding his hands. He's yeah. got one up and then one down. Yeah. yeah. But he's doing that, like, the the same, like, hand thing that Jesus right. does in, like, a lot of old depictions. <clears throat> um, so these locations may have been chosen on purpose and not randomly. Uh Moritari also suggests the Son of Sam symbol is the Goetic circle of black evocations and packs. Uh, which very funny. I mean it kind of seems like maybe they chose this, assuming that both Berkowitz and uh, uh John, or Samkar, or Junkar rather, are involved. There is in the uh, in that uh, image, you can see both the name Berkayal, which has Berk in it, and mm-hmm. also uh, a Maserac which is like a loose anagram of Sam Carr hmm. so Moritari suggests that maybe they picked that after like they saw like kind of like their names in it and so they picked that symbol to be the son of Sam symbol interesting yep um <clears throat> so yeah this is just something to think about as we keep diving yeah, into just the
0: case little, just little tidbits
1: Yep. now some background on David Berkowitz His mother was Jewish, and his father, while often reported to be Italian, because his last name was Falco, uh, was actually another married Jewish businessman, as Falco had already died. So he was put up for adoption and and adopted by another Jewish family, and he was raised as such. Uh, So he was uh, intelligent when, you know, when he was younger, he was quite intelligent, and he had a reverence for law enforcement and first response from his teenage years, as well as, you know, he was pretty athletic. Mm Mm-hmm. And now when I read this part, I had those fucking, uh, a lot of alarms start going up. And now stop me if you've seen or heard of this before. So David Berkowitz, a killer, uh, he joined the army out of high school in 1971. Mm -hmm. He did not go to Vietnam, but he did get stationed in Korea and at Fort Knox in Kentucky. And while in Korea, he had apparently experimented with LSD, as Mm. did many of his fellow GIs. When he came out of the military, he was suddenly anti-military, despite being a war hawk beforehand. Now, I will not get too deep into the weeds here. But as you learn about the explosion of serial killers in the 50s, 60s, and 70s, keep in mind this is some, uh, something by and large afflicting the U.S. This is not to say that it doesn't happen in other countries, <clears throat> it has throughout history. But America sees such a fucking insane explosion of serial killers at this time, and look at how often the killer has military experience during the height of MK Ultra. Oh, my God. <laughs> and Berkowitz himself admits to LSD being a part of his military career. So, just something to keep in mind. You're such a quack, dude. <laughs> <laughs> what that if every
0: it. serial killer was actually part of an MK Ultra conspiracy? Well,
1: I mean, dude, fucking, uh, what's his name? The Unabomber was yeah. MK Ultra. Yeah.
0: <laughs> no, I know that. Yeah, that's, yeah. that's, that's one, yeah. And maybe uh, maybe this guy too
1: yeah yeah like i said i don't want to get too deep into the weeds here right. but there is uh, a lot of writing on that okay. i'll say all right um so after leaving the army berkowitz's life took a bunch of directions including his suddenly uh baptist proselytizing for a bit and then some odd jobs and constant moves around the bronx to yonkers oftentimes not alleviating any sort of commute and constantly having higher rent leaving places in the middle of a lease, then leaving after two months, while he dealt with the resentment of meeting his birth family and realizing how they rejected him. He would travel to Texas to buy a 44 caliber bulldog, and less than two months later, the killings began. Hmm. So Maury Terry would also decode a PS in the Breslin letter, which, when substituting some words for associations and reversing other ones, gave exact directions to Berkowitz's Pine Street apartment from the Bronx. Uh, so his actual decoding, it definitely kind of veers into crackpot territory. Um, and, you know, I, I've got problems with some of this book, uh, The Ultimate Evil by Maury Terry. There's, you know, certain parts of it that, you know, am not that big into, but yeah. I think by and large it's very, very, very good. I mean, it's compelling but,
0: to say the least. He's definitely yeah. painting a an interesting picture. And we should reiterate, that's where, like, a lot of the angle of this episode is coming yeah. from, is this, like, pseudo crazy kind of you know conspiracy yeah i mean the, yeah,
1: the, he definitely wore himself into the ground researching this yeah 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 yeah, yeah. and I, i'm mainly showing off his viewpoint although yeah. I, I will say he's quite convincing yeah. <laughs> for like a lot of this shit sure um but you know regardless things are starting to look quite hairy here so pretty quickly after being arrested berkowitz would write more letters after people wrote to him Quickly, he began warning that there were other Sons of Sam out there, and some of his old acquaintances and friends doubted that he could have written the Breslin letter. Uh, Many of the letters were apparently above his composition level, and the print did not match his at all. Mm. Now, in the summer of 1977, another death happened, this time in Yonkers. It was overlooked for years, but the mailman who, at the root of the cars and Berkowitz, had said something that got published in a letter to the newspaper back in July. He was quoted as saying, sometimes a mailman learn thing learns things about the people on his route he'd be better off not knowing and he sees things he'd be better off not seeing now this was sent in after mori terry had been writing in the newspaper of a conspiracy so in the months leading up to this mailman's death he apparently had been telling people that he was afraid for his life but he wouldn't say why this was noted by multiple people throughout his life many of them not knowing the others and then he supposedly killed himself with a shotgun after telling his wife he was going to the basement to grab something for their young children whom they were bathing. A note was found. The note said, Remember that day at Glen Island with the Italian family? I think that it's their doing. Hmm. Uh, so his wife said this seemed to be a reference to a small argument over a grill back in June, months before his death. Uh, so this was a supposedly a note that a man wrote before committing suicide. Uh, events leading up to his death also indicate that he feared for his family's life by routinely not letting them away from him for long, including on trips he usually did solo. Yeah, but maybe he did kill himself, and maybe he wrote the note to try and get whomever he was scared of off his family's back. Right. Um. Hmm. So Berkowitz also gave away during some questioning from the reporters working on the conspiracy angle that he most definitely knew John Carr. He was slipped a piece of paper that said, "We know you're involved with John Carr." He apparently went white as a sheet fell backwards and nearly fainted. Mm. Like, they were about to call in the doctors. Because he got, like, so fucked from it. Um, He would also duck questions about if he was with anyone at the Brooklyn killing, or if he wrote the letters alone. So after the car note, he refused to say another word. And so that apartment that Berkowitz briefly lived in, in early 1976, the landlord was a man named Jack Cassara. Jack Cassara worked with a neo-Nazi named Fred Cohen. Cohen had murdered 6 people before killing himself in 1977 on like a spree killing. Hmm. Berkowitz apparently had clippings in his room from Cohen and his attack and called him one of the sons. Kassara was likely an innocent link, but Cohen may have put Berkowitz up in that room. Right. <laughs> Now I want to get into something called the Process Church of the Final Judgment. Have you ever heard of them? Sounds familiar. I'm not,
0: you know, I don't remember, but yeah, it sounds familiar.
1: Yeah, so they were like a pretty big countercultural movement in the 60s and 70s. Started in the UK, spread to the US. Uh, And they're like linked to Charles Manson. Charles Manson was a Process member. Okay. Um, So leading up to and immediately following Berkowitz's arrest... Dead German shepherds kept popping up all around the area of Yonkers that Berkowitz and the cars lived. So, like, 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 dozens of dead yeah. German shepherds. Uh, some of them mutilated, some of them shot, oh. oftentimes buried. A lot of them buried around that area of Berkowitz's neighborhood.
0: Yeah.
1: So two people from Pine Street in Yonkers, um, which again, that's his neighborhood. One of which claimed to be David Berkowitz had even called about adopting the same German Shepherd within hours of each other. Although Berkowitz and the police would claim that David never went to that kennel or made that call, but somebody claiming to be David Berkowitz definitely did, and showed up at the kennel as mm-hmm. well. Now, other places where dead German Shepherds kept popping up: Houston, where Berkowitz bought his 44-caliber bulldog, and we'll get back to the Houston angle in a little bit, and Minot, North Dakota. Uh, and there were also places in northern california southern california and new england and remember north dakota in episode one we talked about the arlis perry murder right and she's from that area of north dakota you
0: yeah, know right from that yeah. town
1: right Yep.
0: interesting interesting
1: yeah things are going. starting to get really fucking interesting yeah. here um so now i want to talk about the process church now which is officially called the process church of the final judgment now itself uh It is a splinter of Scientology. And it was founded in the UK in the 60s, but it spread across the US uh, throughout the 60s and 70s before folding. So it would have ties to other countercultural and cult killings, but one thing it definitely did tie into, they were fucking really into German shepherds. So, like, the, like, Alsatian German shepherd is, like, the symbol of the process church, basically. Uh, They Uh, They kept German shepherds, they bred them, and oftentimes people would have basically like a German shepherd while they were in the group. Yeah. Um, So along with the reference uh, in the Breslin letter to the 22 Disciples of Hell, on top of all the occult and esoteric references, it is very much starting to look like there's some kind of cult shit at play here.
0: Feeling pretty culty.
1: Yeah. So remember before uh, when I said the Borelli letter mentioned behemoth? Mm-hmm. Uh, the next uh, paragraph talked about the Wiemann of Queens it starts to look like the Eliphas shooting in Queens was planned in advance and the cops had been saying all along that they were random so a lot of the Borelli letter is written like someone living in the car house as well it makes mention to features in the house belonging to Sam as in Sam Carr and photographs confirm it whereas Berkowitz lived a bit away in an apartment building nearby it also talked about Sam's garage all these different things and for another link to occultism, uh, the Breslin letter began with "Hello from the gutters of New York City," which are filled with dog manure, or vomit, stale wine, urine, and blood. Mm-hmm. Uh, these, uh, you know, five things are listed in occult books and invocations during black mass. Uh, so, all but one of the attacks also took place within a few days of an occult holiday.
0: Which do they say which
1: one? Uh there's like. All of the killings took place within a few days in no Occult Holidays. So okay. there's like a, all of them. I got it. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> uh, so as I said, the founders of the Process Church were former t- Scientologists that split with L. Ron Hubbard over some philosophical differences. So they were ra- named Robert Moore and Mary Ann McLean uh, and were involved in advanced training at the Hubbard Institute of Scientology. What, what are you doing? What? You falling asleep? <laughs> no, no, I was just listening. <laughs> oh, okay. No, dude. So <laughs> no, it looks like your eyes it's, were closed it's and that not your nothing, head, man.
0: Okay. I'm not falling asleep. <laughs> all right. Anyway, um, I mean that that, that happens when we record late. That has happened. <laughs> no, I, I'm I'm able to stay awake during the daytime.
1: <laughs> okay. All right. Um. So anyway, <coughs> all right. so the founders of the Process Church uh, were Scientologists named Robert Moore and Mary Ann McLean. And they were involved in advanced training at the Hubbard Institute of Scientology, where they met. Like they were high up in mm-hmm. uh, uh, in Scientology, so they took on the new surname de Grimston. Uh, so they became <laughs> so... Robert Moore de Grimston and Mary Ann McLean de Grimston. Oh my god! <laughs> yep. Now here's where shit gets really crazy. De Grimston. Yeah.
0: It's like a bad like dime novelist yeah. name.
1: Dude, yeah, for yeah, <laughs> it's so stupid. <laughs> Uh, So apparently they were really heavily involved in mind control and experimented with such. They called their experimentation compulsion analysis and believed all individuals were responsible for everything that happened to them. Famously saying that the Jewish population of Europe chose the gas chambers. That's a hot take. Yep. Um, They quickly found wealthy converts naturally and grew in power in the 60s. So the leaders and the acolytes then each got German shepherds. They eventually moved to the Yucatan Peninsula in Mexico and began experimenting in satanic worship. They would move back to London and start getting into famous rock and roll circles. They began promoting worship of both Christ and Satan as judge and executioner respectfully. Hmm. And they believed that through chaos they could bring the second coming. So in 1967 the Process Church would infect the American countercultural movement and would tie heavily into the life of Charles Manson in the coming years. The church itself allowed adherents to pick one of three paths. The Jehovah's were straight-laced Puritans, the Luciferians were into free love and drug use, and the Satanists were Satanists, reveling in gore and violence. All three were necessary and accepted. So people from all walks, drifters, the homeless, and those in entertainment and business were sought after by the process church with mixed results. So the symbol of the process was kind of like an inverted swastika, and nazi imagery featured heavily in their in their own imagery on top of satanic rituals and invocations to commit necrophilia uh they had like their own like magazine <laughs> like the process church magazine and awesome. like insane shit in it we should see if we can oh. get a couple issues i think you can you can really? still find them That's yeah awesome. I, I, would love, <laughs> I would love one of those dude they I i was like looking online at some of the shit in them and it's fucking crazy dude um so the hierarchy of members of the family was Acolyte, Initiate, Messenger. And at this rank, a member would gain their cult name. Um, uh, they would just get like this totally different name. Okay. Uh, and then it would, went up to Prophet, Priest, and then finally Master. And it, it just kind of reminded me of the Dark Brotherhood yeah. <laughs> in Elder Scrolls. Absolutely, uh, yeah. So each member at one point was required to engage in Satanism, complete with ritual and sacrifice. The group would eventually fracture in California after RFK's assassination due to Sirhan Sirhan potentially having ties to them. Huh. (laughs) Like, dude, like, as I'm reading this, I'm just like, my brain's just like fucking melting out of my head. Well,
0: yeah, I'm starting to feel like this guy, this, this Terry guy is like is just a total kook you know he's like got like uh like a cork board set up in his in his room with yarn from people and it was all it was, and it was charles manson and well, he, he, also, he
1: wasn't he wasn't doing this by himself either you know i say more yeah. terry but he had like a group of people working with him too. yeah and like and he wasn't really a kook like he had meetings and I will talk about that too the da was like meeting with him and clearly like telling him like yeah you're on the right path yeah <laughs> so yeah but yeah, dude, what's the the fucking Sirhan Sirhan thing? I was just like delirious. Yeah, this whole thing I was like, is you insane. gotta be fucking kidding me! Like, <laughs> so it's um, like
0: it's it's this is like a very like um like a film noir type deal, you know, where you yeah you get so deep and you realize that like yeah, it goes all the way to the top. There's no yeah. way that I'm gonna be able to unravel this, and you kind of just lose your mind.
1: Yeah, yeah. Um. So after RFK's assassination, they went underground. Uh, so bodies of mutilated German shepherds began appearing near San Francisco with murderer Stanley Baker being a member of the cult and saying his famous line oh I have a problem I am a cannibal I'm a cannibal yeah. uh, when evidence of his rituals was found after his murder arrest so process splinters in California would continue to commit atrocities in the state so like I said before you know, I, I don't want to get too far into <clears throat> the Manson territory here but his group had ties to other process splinters such as the four P or four Pi movement that involved a man known as the Grand Shingon, hmm. uh, which um, some of Manson's family members called him also the, the Grand Shingon.
0: Yeah. I forget what chingon uh, means. It's yeah. it's it's like a Mexican slang. Yeah. But I don't remember what like you hear people call each other that all the time. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Um so the process itself was also inspired by the works of Aleister Crowley. Now he died in the 40s, um, and he also wrote about the union of God and Satan. Uh, he's pretty famous. I'm sure most people have heard yeah. of him. Um Mr. You know,
2: Crowley. <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah,
1: yeah So he, he had merged um, the the esoteric order of the Golden Dawn into the Ordo Templis Orientis, uh, and you know, occultism would spread throughout the United States after you know uh, after his works, uh, and this kind of paved the way for the Process Church. Hmm. Now that I've given you guys a nice little background about the process. So as it would turn out, Maury Terry, uh, you know, again, he's the researcher, the researcher I've been extensively using. Um, He went to high school with John Carr, which he didn't realize at first. And uh, I think it was his cousin had to be like, oh, dude, you went to high school with him. Um, That's funny. Yeah. Uh, So John Carr had gone to high school with him for one year before Carr transferred to a Catholic school. He also had an interest in um, bagpipes, hmm. uh, and he uh, had joined a bagpipe band back then.
0: That's something you do.
1: Yeah, so recalling the Borelli letter, the brief Scottish phrase, Oogh, me, me hoot it hurts," sunny boy, and the police believing the writer had gone to Catholic school. And also the, writer, the letter kind of being written as if somebody was living in Sam Carr's house. Right. So uh some of terry's uh some friends of terry's are related to him while talking about the case that they had dinner with a salesman just after berkowitz was apprehended and before any conspiracy stuff had come out during the dinner the salesman told the couple that he knew son of sam was in a satanic cult from yonkers and they helped him commit the murders he knew because he was acquainted with people connected to it so this salesman was eventually tracked down by police after like going on the run and he was questioned by officers uh, so he would admit to the convo, but he claimed to not know anyone connected to the killings. Hmm. <clears throat> and uh for the for the work to this point, uh uh Terry and company did meet multiple times with police and even the DA's office and the meetings were not procedural. The police thought they were definitely onto something, and people high up in the DA's office, like his like second in command and shit, mm-hmm. uh were uh were the ones to meet uh sorry they met with terry and they clearly did not blow smoke up their ass they had doubts that berkowitz acted alone interesting so both during and after the son of sam killings there were also other strange killings tied to the occult in the tri-state area including a sniper attacking young girls who would speed away in a dark green car with a white vinyl roof and people popping up with various process style ties to them killed in violent crimes uh this is in the months surrounding the son of sam killings uh, and I sw- there was the story of an honest-to-God Westchester Dartman who would attack young woman with a dart gun around the area, including in Yonkers. He was just running around and, like, firing darts, not even killing people, just firing darts at people. Westchester Dartman. Yeah. <laughs> mm. Like, okay. What an awesome... Uh, there was also a um the Westchester child rapist oh. who supposedly was driving about five different makes of cars. Kind of sounds like Son of Sam, where it's all these different cars. That's a lot less um, funny
0: than uh, the Westchester
1: Dart, man. Yeah. Uh, now, remember, John Wheaties was called the rapist of young girls. Yeah. Uh, so, dead German shepherds and the dozens start showing up. And uh, one of the occult killings even happened right next to a police chief's house, with, like, the body being tossed on his neighbor's lawn.
0: So, were these people all, like, supposedly, what, like accumulating german shepherds and then they were all going to kill them at the same time or something like so
1: the process church definitely accumulated german shepherds yeah and the thought is that maybe this cult was a splinter of process where uh they started sacrificing the german shepherds okay yeah interesting yep so again all of these attacks are happening right around uh where son of sam was killing and at the exact same time uh, so a New York Post writer involved with Terry and Company told them about a woman that kept contacting him with details about Berkowitz being in a satanic cult, and the cult was killing people, not Berkowitz alone. To back up her story, she told about how one of her cars was actually, uh, one of their cars was actually taken from a girl named Jane who was chopped up and tossed near Little Neck Bay. She talked about a safe house for the cult being located on Staten Island that was used for black mass rituals. She also said a former detective was supplying the Colt with dope. Hmm. Following up on this, though, Terry came to the conclusion that it was a hoax. And then after the trail went cold, he decided to drive by the car's house in February, a few days after a huge snowstorm. So, like at this point, he was like, "I don't know, man. I'm just going back to the drawing board." Yeah. And wouldn't you fucking know it? Right there in the driveway was a car with a license plate from North Dakota. Interesting. John Wheaties. John Wheaties' car. Yeah. <clears throat> the so thickens. Yep. So, uh, for the next couple weeks, the car never moved in Yonkers. Uh, sometime during those weeks, John Carr ended up dead from a gunshot wound in Minnow, North Dakota, apparently having fled back to North Dakota by plane and leaving his car behind. He hmm. wasn't expected back for months. Uh, it was up in the air if it was suicide or homicide. Of note was that John Carr was a good match for the Lamino damasi shooting composite sketch. He was left-handed, and he owned a fatigue jacket. Hmm. The shooter ran away with the gun in their left hand, and was wearing what looked like a fatigue. So Air Force investigators, um, you know, the death occurred on an Air Force base housing, uh, confirmed that Carr had an interest in witchcraft, and his brother Michael counseled people in Scientology. Hmm. Uh, so John Carr spent 12 years in the Air Force and was stationed in Thailand, Korea, and Panama City, Florida, before being stationed at Minot Air Force Base, in North Dakota. He was discharged for, among other things, drug use on October 13, 1976, and was in the New York City area at the time of at least 4 and potentially 5 Son of Sam attacks, including the Lomino-Demasi shooting, in which he matched the composite sketch. He was placed in Houston by his brother Michael on June 12, 1976, the day David Berkowitz was in Houston buying a 44 caliber bulldog. He was a notoriously heavy drinker and user of psychedelic drugs. So Berkowitz would later call him an unstable weak link. On the night Terry found him, he reportedly called his ex-wife and claimed the police were hot on his trail, and the police were also searching for him. He left New York City a couple days later unexpectedly, and two days after getting back to Minot he was dead. Holy smokes. So it certainly <clears> appeared <throat> like John Carr was running from something. <laughs>
0: interesting yeah <laughs> that's all I've got so far yeah it's a it's this is a weird one man it's um yeah I mean it definitely seems like so I mean you know I, I I love I love like all the all the little departures into like MK ultra and all that stuff yeah you know I I do think that it's like also possible that David Berkowitz was like <clears throat> nuts and delusional and like maybe not but um it's just interesting to me to I think, I mean, he like,
1: definitely wasn't crazy, like, multiple... He was, like, looked at multiple times, and what, well, like, every doctor came away with was, like, oh, this guy's faking.
0: Interesting. Yeah. Um, it just makes me wonder, like, how much of this is legit and how much of it is just, like, tangential and, like, coincidental, you know what I mean? Like, and obviously yeah. some of it's... Re- like, it seems pretty clear that there's, like, a cult involved. Yeah. And that David Berkowitz wasn't acting alone. I mean, that seems... Yeah. That seems pretty, pretty legit. Um, yeah. And then there are just so many like different like fractal patterns spiraling off of that yeah, main yeah, thread yeah, where it's just yeah. like, okay, how many of these are real and how many of these are red herrings? You know what I mean? And yeah. it's like
1: that, That well, that's why I wanted to tell the story too about that, the red herring about the, the cult house in Staten Island. Yeah. So that, that ends up being like fucking like 10 pages or something in this yeah. book um, where they like track down this place and they go there and it was just like total bullshit. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's why I wanted to kind of to tell that story too. Right. Cause it, it you know. You know, my, you know, my takeaway from this is I, at the very least, I think this is directionally true. Yeah. Like, right. all it's, of this. it's in the right direction. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It, it is for sure directionally true. Like, I definitely don't think David Berkowitz did these killings alone. Yeah. you yeah, know me I, I, I think at this point, I, that's, like, proven, just from the Brooklyn shooting, the yeah. timelines. There are so many witnesses to it, all with corroborating stories Right. <laughs> and the only one who, the only one, the only story that doesn't match everybody else's is Dave Berkowitz's. <laughs> right, right. Like, there were, like, ten different people corroborating the timeline of those attacks. Hmm. And his doesn't match. Yeah. Um. So, like, I mean, I think that's for sure true. And then, like, you know, just, like, all the crazy shit with the Process Church and Scientology. It's like, you know... And this is, like, one of the things that I find, like, so fascinating about, like, America in the 50s and 60s and 70s is that it is, like, this strange fog over the country. Yeah. Like, you know what I mean? Like, and just, you know, there's definitely a vibe to all of it. And it's just, like, it starts off one way in the 50s. And by the 70s, it's, like, this weird, like, really, like, evil, like, twisting of it all. It's just, like, really, like, gone down into this, like, strange, like, almost simulacrum yeah. of itself, and it's, like, so difficult to really parse out, like, what's real and what's not, and there are all these threads that tie together, and then, yeah, like, and everybody all... was
0: fucked up and experimenting on drugs,
1: and there really was, I mean, the the
0: explosion of serial killers yeah, is kind of fascinating, um, and obviously there are still serial killers, right, and it's like you yeah. said, there have been serial killers throughout history, they exist in other yeah. places, it's not just America, but you know, all these famous serial and up through the 80s, too, frankly, because yeah. uh, this was definitely still, like, a thing in, into the 80s. Um, you see just, like, this massive explosion of these, these people that are, I mean, they're mostly men who are... With military service. Yeah, yeah, and it's 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 just weird. Um, yeah. It's like, why? What was what was it in the cultural zeitgeist that was, like, prepping things <laughs> for them? Now, I mean, then you can obviously talk about, like, you know what would the modern equivalent be like mass mass shootings and stuff that's like yeah. taken taken yeah maybe spree
1: the, killing has really taken over yeah, yeah yeah
0: you don't have the same it's just interesting the way that violence especially in this country has uh, evolved yeah. and violence in the public eye
1: has evolved and, well you uh, know i'm sure there are people listening to this that are like screaming at me to get into like program <laughs> to kill territory now sure which i may eventually but that's kind of like what i was hinting at with yeah. um you know look at the backgrounds of this explosion of serial killers yeah and you know i i I will say i don't think that it is a coincidence that the cia owned all of the lsd on earth in the 50s yeah in early 60s and by the late 60s there was a massive explosion of it and then this and then we went to vietnam and where it was the biggest producer of heroin and then, or, you know, poppy, and then there was an explosion of heroin in the U.S., and then we go to Afghanistan. Afghanistan becomes the largest producer of heroin on Earth, and then there's a huge opiate explosion. Yeah. I will say I don't think these are coincidental.
0: Right. And then people that get caught in, like, the, you know, the, the, the crossfire of, like, you know, the experimentation with all these substances yeah. and stuff. Yeah. Um, some of them come back, and they're just fucked up, and they're just like, I need to fucking cut people's heads off. That's what yeah. I need to do.
1: Yeah, I mean, yeah, like like we said with Unabomber, Unabomber is confirmed as having been MKUltred Yeah, when he was at Harvard. Yeah. And it destroyed his mind. Yeah. And he became an anarcho-primitivist yeah. terrorist. <laughs> Interesting. Yeah, so, you know, I think it's really important, too, when you get into these things. Like, you know, I think sometimes maybe people... And you know me with like my criticisms of the CIA and whatnot. I think what the CIA is really good at is adapting. I yeah. don't think they plan all these things. I think they're very good at working in chaos, yeah, and adapting to changing situations. Hmm. You know, and uh, you know certain things too. Like uh, I am, I'm also of the belief that like MK Ultra, You know, they say it ended. Um, but they lie about everything. <laughs> you right. know, what I mean, that, right. I think that's a limited hangout. I don't think MK Ultra ever ended. I think it just changed. Sure. You know, I think that uh, there's probably a lot of work being done on influencing people's behavior and opinions through the Internet, um, through sort of like substance abuse and that
0: kind of thing. There's the famous book, uh, How, How to Win Friends and Influence People. Uh, you know, that, that, who knows, maybe that's tied in somehow. I, I guess so. Yeah, you know, <laughs> you know what I'm talking about, right? That like self help book that does. I mean, big... I've heard of it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I've never read it. But... Yeah. Oh, man, what a tangled web we weave.
1: Yep. Yep, for sure. All right. Well, David Berkowitz, man.
0: <laughs> yeah, David Berkowitz. Yeah, I. I. It's funny because it's like, well, it's frustrating more than funny. Um, because a lot of this stuff, I, I guess, we'll just never
1: really know. Yeah, I mean yeah, that that's the most frustrating part of it. Yeah. Is that it's like most of it's lost in the ether. Yeah, like, it'll, it'll always be conjecture because it's just yeah, like, it's not really solid
0: conjecture, but it's like you just you will never know. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, this was an interesting one, man. Yeah. And I hope we do come back to it and do, you know, tie in some of the Manson stuff and and talk yeah. about uh this this weird influx of German Shepherd cults.
1: Dude, 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 the Alsatian German Shepherds, man. Interesting. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and also, yeah, I would suggest <clears throat> people if you are if you are interested in, uh, I would look into the the Process Church. It's a uh, very fucking bizarre. Check out, uh, I I kind I kind of want to do like get <laughs> like an old episode of, or, or an old uh, edition of their magazine. Yeah, like I you can it. definitely buy them. I saw them online. People yeah. still have them. That's so funny. Uh, I-, I would. Love yeah. Them also. What's that? I said I What's would love that? one also. Yeah, dude. Fucking, uh, yeah, look, the, look them up. Look up their, like, fucking imagery and shit. Like I said, like, uh, I posted some of it on Twitter, but yeah, yeah their logo is, like, this weird sort right of swastika looking thing, which is pretty funny. Here, yeah. I'll send you it. Did you, did you see it when I posted it? I saw some of it. Uh, I don't think yeah. I saw everything you posted. Believe
0: it or not, I, I just don't huh. go on Twitter that often. I do believe you. Yeah. <laughs> I wish that uh, I yeah. could get I myself see. into it, but... Oh yeah, okay. I see. It, you know what? It it yeah. kind of looks like that symbol that Metallica uses for themselves. <laughs> yeah. I wonder if they're in the of. Process Church.
1: Yeah.
0: This yeah. is weird.
1: Yeah, dude. It's got like uh, almost this kind of fucking um Alejandro Hodorowski vibe to it, too, sure. like some holy mountain shit going on. Dude, you can
0: buy like Process yeah. Church of the Final Judgment T-shirts. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> this is so. People are so fucking stupid. This is. <laughs> Yeah, oh, I just sent god. you. Look at this image
1: that I just sent
0: in Skype. <laughs> yeah. Uh, come on, Skype, open up. Oh, I want to see the image. All right, this is stupid. What's going on <laughs> here? In the chat, right? Uh, chat. Yeah. There we go. Oh
1: my god. Good content for listeners.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Look at the
1: German shepherds, man. Dude, yeah, they fucking love <coughs> them shits, dude. But yeah, I definitely get Hodorowski vibes from some of the process churches, like, images and shit. Yeah.
0: Oh, dude, I'm looking, at, I'm seeing the pictures of the Ningen <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that we
1: had in our chat. Oh, really? <laughs> Paul Rudd Ningen. Oh, yeah, that's right. Ah!
0: <laughs> oh, that's funny.
1: Oh, uh, yeah. All right, anyway, um, so, uh, you know, as we said at the top of the episode, thank you guys for telling people about us. Please keep doing that. Um, rate us and review us on Apple, um yeah i don't know just uh we really appreciate you guys listening and uh we've got a pretty cool series planned to close out the year cam's gonna yeah give me a little vacation so
0: mm-hmm, mm-hmm. yeah i'm gonna do three in a row guys yeah you better better buckle your shit up for it because it's gonna be a wild ride we're going back to some older history we're departing yep. we're departing the americas yes and we're taking a trip to a the, uh, the haunted america that we've been discussing yeah. yeah we're gonna we're gonna dip our toes back into some some more varied stuff but still equally full of intrigue and action and violence and all kinds yeah. of fun
1: shit all the stuff that you perverts love
0: yeah that's right we're talking about <laughs> the cia <laughs> no i'm just kidding no no more of that for a little while yeah. um all right cool well yeah uh thanks guys and uh you know, we'll have all of our, our information in the show notes as always. And uh yep. we love you and we'll see you next week. Peace. Peace. Bye.